This is the Daily Wrestling News for March 2nd, 2021. We are powered by the Eastern Observer. My name is Ryan Joy, and I am coming to you live from Minutes to Bell Time Studios on the beautiful treasure coast of the Sunshine State. And I am joined today by the salesman of fun, Travis. Good morning, Travis. Good morning, Ryan. It's great to be here. We got a lot on the agenda today. Yeah, we do. We have the ridiculously random non-wrestling audience needs to know you better question of the day, followed by the news, which includes a new WWE champion. We have New Japan Castle Attack and the New Japan Cup, AEW Revolution, along with Dynamite, Trivia, and all. so all of that we have to try to get jammed in, so let's not waste any time. I hear you. And the ridiculously random non-wrestling audience needs to know you better question of the day is brought to you by Pro Wrestling Pick'em, a place where you can join or host a Pick'em League to test your predictive skills in the world of pro wrestling. Create an account and join a league now at prowrestlingpick'em.com so you can play against your friends or play against the universe, but most importantly, make your AEW Revolution picks. And Travis, if you could be an Animagus, what animal would you transform into? This question is actually brought to you by Al's Cap. If I could be an Animagus, oh, probably, I guess a raven. Okay. Any reason why? I just like the ability to travel kind of wherever I wanted to go, I think would be good and be able to just kind of get up and do it. Like, I I don't know. The first thing that came to my mind was platypus, but they kind of just swim around (laughs) all day. Raven Raven has that good, like, fantasy folklore piece to it. Without a doubt. Yeah. Game of Thrones in there and some. Yep. Ravenclaw, Harry Potter stuff. Mm-hmm. There. So, mm-hmm. all good stuff. Yeah. Plus, who you could get a bird's eye view of wrestling. So, that's right. And all the outdoor shows. Okay. So, let's jump into the news. Now, the news is always brought to you by the Body Slam Brigade newsletter. We just feel like I just did a read. So, I'm not going to do the full read, but subscribe now at bodyslambrigade.com. We have a new WWE champion in Bobby Lashley. Bobby defeated The Miz after a lot of song and dance last night on Raw. Finally, in the last seven minutes of the show, the bell rang and Miz could not escape because Shane McMahon filled the out ringside area with lumberjacks, hurt lock, submission, tap out. Bobby finishes Raw with his arms held high with the WWE Championship. Well-deserved. Uh, great career. Um, I'm impressed at the transition and how quick it happened. Because yeah. Keep in mind, he had the U.S. title. Going into chamber, lost that. Now he's a heavyweight title before the next pay per view. Um, and I was really annoyed on how they ended the first match of the night, but they saved it in the end. Um, man, pretty quick, right? We had two WWE title f- fights in one Raw episode, and it didn't even touch the length of the first match of the show. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's funny, like some of, a lot of the WWE championship matches of the last, you know, five years have been that way, you mm-hmm. know, with Lester was champion and stuff. They, they didn't, or Goldberg was universal champion. They just don't last that long. Right. Um, but Bobby is our new champion. So my question is, is it a given that Bobby defends and loses to Drew McIntyre at WrestleMania? No, I don't think so either. In fact, I, I, I think, in order to fully establish Bobby Lashley, I think he has to beat Drew and hold the title for six months or something, and then maybe lose it to maybe lose it to Drew down the road with fans, with a lot of yeah, fans. Yeah, you could. We could see that, or I, I think they, I think they one eighty to hurt business. Um, uh-huh. 
and it's good. Um, I think there's they're they've saved themselves a lot, um, especially with it. It looks like Retribution's kind of literally coming apart at the seams here. Um, I think it's a great move. Like, gosh, it feels you know like a modern nation of domination, which they WWE needs more factions. Um, and it's good I to see. And I, I don't. Like I think it looks like more like the Horsemen, really. Sure. Oh, as, as far as the complete the the whole thing put together as a package, absolutely sure. Um, I don't. Lashley's a big giant monster that works every day. Yeah, and that's rare for them to have outside of like when Strowman had the title and things like that. So, um, Roman's big, but he's not Lashley big, at least imposing and things like that so like i i don't know maybe somebody finally caught on they're like well i got lesnar that we can drag in we got goldberg that we can drag in these are monster guys or oh wait a minute we got this guy who is a nine to fiver for us that's also big and giant and he doesn't need to be overly charismatic on the mic because mvp's right there too so uh, just a smart smart move and i don't know i'm always a big fan heels with the title is always better because i think faces look better with the chase yeah. Um, chasing is so much better than, and not that Drew was a bad title title holder. Um, I think he did a great job bringing WWE through the pandemic and kind of carried the show for a long period of time. But yeah, have him chasing it for a little bit, or having somebody else in there to wrestle. And and the thing the thing that's odd is Bobby Lashley hasn't been in multi programs with a ton of guys. Like a lot of the top title picture guys have all wrestled each other a whole ton of times. We don't have long programs with. AJ Styles and Bobby Lashley and Randy Orton and Bobby Lashley and in the top guys really haven't wrestled him all that much because he's kind of been regulated to mid card a lot. So well, when when Drew won the WWE Championship at WrestleMania last year, Bobby was one of the very first challengers, and it was during the transition from Lana as his manager to MVP as his manager. Yep. And so he had that program with Drew last year. And then you're right. After that, he went for the United States Championship, and that's where he's been yep. all year. We kind of benefit from that. And that oh, way, yeah. Now we have all these new matches. Absolutely. Um, that are, that are potential. And who knows? I mean, I could see a Bobby Lashley-Edge match down the road, too, and things like that, depending on where Edge lands after this situation gets resolved with Roman. Like, does he stay on SmackDown, or does he go over to Raw? What does he do? Is he a free agent? How does that work? Um I think it's it's really interesting, and uh, you know I'm happy for Lashley to have the opportunity for sure. Yeah, and just uh, so, do you think it's Drew that he's facing at WrestleMania? I, I would say within ninety to one hundred percent in my mind, that's who he's facing. Whether it's he- the ma- it's it's definitely the match that I wanted. Whether that's still gonna, you know, whether that's I don't know. I think I mean Miz Miz and Morrison are moving into this Bad Bunny. Yes. Um, program for sure um but i think he'll have something to say next week without a doubt well, actually steamrolled over uh, braun Strowman already so right so i i mean i i hope it's the two of them i could certainly see a, a case being made where you know they make it a three-way and they throw braun in or they throw sheamus in. maybe sheamus drew is over i'm yeah yeah i'm not sure that doesn't seem like a payoff for that long of a lifelong feud to each other doesn't feel like a big enough culmination for me like well unless they're going to be friends or whatever we're talking about the drew sheamus match that started raw actually yesterday and really it was it came down to seconds right because that match sheamus was just one or two seconds behind drew otherwise he would have hit the bro kick and not got claymore in the face so you could see that you could see a reasoning to to run that back again sure 
you know, my feeling is Drew's Drew's had the belt for a long time. I don't see them transitioning it back to him for a bit. Well, here's the other thing. Drew, I think they established last year. Yep. He is in that top tier mm-hmm. picture now. Yep. Lastly, I mean, he's been around wrestling for 20 years almost now. Mm-hmm. And he really hasn't been established at that section of the card for a prolonged period of time to where they could consider him a star in the company. Yep. So now I think they have that opportunity and I think it might, I think it's very easy to squander, but I hope they don't. Yeah, me too. So, okay. A couple other news items before we get into the new Japan side of the world. Uh, we have new ring of honor tag team champions, Kenny King and dragon Lee defeated Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham over the weekend. Uh, Shane Taylor did not defeat Roosh for the ROH World Championship. Um, so, again, we're moving towards their uh, 17th anniversary show coming up. Uh, ECW Press will release Austin 316, 316 facts and stories about Stone Cold Steve Austin on March 16th. And Bound for Glory 2011 will air on Access TV today at 3 p.m., Interesting tidbit about this show, Hulk Hogan faces Sting, and it happens to be the last official wrestling match of Hulk Hogan's career. Oh, very cool. So you can catch that Access TV at 3 o'clock today. It'll be a good lead-in to the Essential Wrestling Podcast, which goes on at 6. Mm-hmm. Okay, so New Japan has been absolutely bonkers the last week with stories and things that have been developing. So you basically have two stories that are going to converge at the anniversary show. So let me, let me run you through that and then we'll get into kind of talking through the the specifics. So Hiromu Takahashi started the year off by talking about how he wanted to bring the junior heavyweight championship to the main event of the Tokyo dome. It seemed new Japan pro wrestling was working towards positioning him as a top guy. And I would have really expected him to win a ton of accolades this year. Um, and kind of get into that position. He was already the IWGP junior heavyweight champion. He was going to have a shot with his partner, Bushi, for the IWGP tag team titles on 225. He tore his pack. He's out for an extended period of time, so new plans have to be made. El Desperado, El Desperado Yoshinobu Kanemaru, took Hiromu and Bushi's spot in the tag match. They won the tag titles. Hiromu also had to vacate his junior heavyweight singles championship. Desperado defeated ELP and Bushi to win the vacant junior championship on the second night of Castle Attack. So now Desperado is a double champion. He's got the tag titles and he's got the uh, the junior heavyweight championship. So he's double champion. That was probably supposed to be Hiromu's spot. Okay, so that's story one. Story two the IWGP and Intercontinental Heavyweight Championships were both won by Tetsuya Naito at Wrestle Kingdom last year, January 5th, 2020. Naito spent the whole year defending the belts. Evil won the New Japan Cup, took the belts from Naito for a time. Naito got him back. Kota Ibushi challenged Naito and won both belts at Wrestle Kingdom this year, January 4th, 2021. Ibushi went on record as wanting to merge the titles. Naito didn't want to do that, so he challenged Ibushi for the Intercontinental Championship at night two of Castle Attack this past weekend. Naito was unsuccessful. Here's where the two stories converge. This Thursday is New Japan's 49th anniversary show. It is the tradition 
that the junior champion faced the heavyweight champion in a non-title match. Desperado came out after Bushi's match with Naito and requested that their match be a title match. Meanwhile, New Japan, the company, agreed to merge the championships. So the lineage of the heavyweight championship and the intercontinental championship is going to merge into a single world heavyweight championship. They announced that Ibushi will defend the double championship for the final time against El Desperado this Thursday at the anniversary show. So those are the two major stories that ran through Castle Attack into what's going to be our anniversary show this Thursday. And it also put out a whole bunch of news with Hiromu Takahashi and the belts merging and all that. So that's where we stand going into the anniversary show. Yeah, I mean, El Desperado could walk out with four belts. That's right. <laughs> Until they turn it into three. <laughs> Until it gets turned into three. But, like, I don't know. If 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 Desperado wins, which I don't think is going to happen, no. uh, uh, could he have the chance to just keep the belt separate then? Could he, def- <laughs> you know, defend a belt a night if he wanted to? Like, it's a it's an interesting happenstance. And I think I, I agree with you. I think we would have gotten to this. I think it would have been these belts, all these belts into one match on the anniversary show. Um, you know, 49th anniversary, obviously next year will probably be crazy. Um, but yeah, it was a, it's a, it's an interesting spot to be in because obviously it's never, you know, boiled down to this many belts all at one time. Now, obviously Ibushi's not going to win the junior heavyweight or any of the tag belts out of this match, but El Desperado could walk around with four belts for, you know, at least a period of time here. Um, I think it's really far-fetched that Desperado would win this match. Um, I think it would have been far-fetched for Hiromu to win this match, but I think with Hiromu in that picture, picture, it would have been maybe a little bit more believable of a uh, outcome. And I think the match would have gone long, very long, and Ibushi would have eventually won, but it would have wouldn't have been like a you know squash of any kind. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't expect. Desperado to come out of this with the championship. And I think we're going to see this thing merged, which, you know, the history of the IC belt goes away at that point. Um, now, one of my critiques about New Japan when I started watching it a couple of years ago was, man, they've got 47 belts on this show. Yes. <laughs> and it seems like the direction that they're going is not only do they are they merging these two belts together to get one, but the U.S. belt seems like it's going to be defended in in United States on new Japan strong going forward. So that is certainly they've extricated essentially two belts off the same show to a degree, um, given the strong people, something to specifically fight about. And um, we'll kind of see what happens. I think that the the hard thing here to visualize and put our minds around is the fact that prior to the pandemic, new Japan announced that new Japan USA is like a whole different sub company. Yep. And, it's hard to visualize now because they're not running very much in the United States, but they had plans to do like four or five tours a year in the, in the United States. And of course the talent would come over from Japan and stuff and they'd build up stars here. Uh, it's hard to visualize that aspect of the company, but of course the United States championship would have been a huge part of that. Sure. Absolutely. I, I think they've done for, for having to triage what they've done. Um, we kind of talked about this offline. Um, the new Japan strong is full of these on the cusp or bubble type wrestlers where they're wrestlers that have been around for a little bit that have talent, but for whatever reason, they haven't broken out. So I think new Japan has had a really good eye for grabbing 
people that are going to be good wrestlers. Because if you've gone through and you watch the strong, the strong episodes, if you take the production side out of it, which it's, you know, it's ROH or even ROH light, the actual in-ring wrestling is, is good. These are all people that can work. You know, we were not seeing a lot of botches or anything like that. It's good quality wrestling. There's not a hell of a lot of storyline there because they don't really have the, the talent pool that they thought they were going to have or things like that. Um, so they've, they've found a way to kind of interestingly build up two factions. So we'll see the direction that it ends up taking. Um, you know, I think each day it seems like we're moving more towards a, towards a better post COVID sure. world um, in a better way to handle it. So it'll be interesting to see them kind of come back and what they do with that. It, it's kind of exciting and it's good that they have the, you know, the Roku TV deal in there if they wanted to do that. And the other new, distro- there's a lot of new Japan to, to watch. There's potential um, at this point, I guess you can't call it anything more than rumors and grumblings, but there is a, there is talk of another new Japan show on access TV. So this whole like partnerships that we're seeing, you know, it could be a lot more widespread than than just like company, you know, impact and New Japan working together. Yeah, I mean, at this point, if the if the other shows got their self together, they could probably conceivably take over a channel, right? Yeah, well, it could be, you know, access could be just wrestling rather than fly fishing and monster truck rallies and all the other stuff that they put on there. You know, the music so, programming is very good. I'll give them credit there. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt, <laughs> they, they do have good documentaries. All right, let me let me steer the conversation back here a little bit because mm-hmm. we we should mention also that on Friday, John Moxley defeated Kenta. Kenta had won the New Japan Cup USA a year ago, just about, defended that briefcase all year, finally got his match with John Moxley Friday and lost. And so now New Japan immediately <laughs> announces the next New Japan Cup USA. Um, it's going to be an eight-person eight tournament, and it's going to run in the month of April. Um, that's on the United States side. On the Japan side, we have a 30-person tournament that kicks off Thursday at the anniversary show, um, and that's going to run all month. And when the winner of that will get a heavyweight championship opportunity. So, Travis, I'm going to bring up the brackets for the okay. New Japan Cup, uh, and we can kind of I, w- I want to talk about it in this way. I want us to find out. You basically have 30 people, so you have four quadrants. I want to figure out in our mind who's got the best odds in each quadrant to win, who are the favorites to make the finals. And where are the major upsets that are potential? So let, let's look at it in that in that way. I'm going to start with the left side of the bracket. Okay. And let me take down the ticker here so that we can see the bottom name. Okay. So you can right away you see Evil has a buy in the first round. Evil has a buy because he is he won the New Japan Cup last year. Yep. So Kojima, a Cobb. Uh, Naito and Khan, Yano and Fale, Goto and Taichi, Okada, Takagi, Onman Suzuki, Robinson, Kenta. So starting in the top quadrant, your evil quadrant, mm-hmm. who do you think is the odds-on favorite to win that? So I think this quadrant comes down to evil versus Naito in the end. Okay. Yep. Um, and I could see either one of them winning. Um, if I had to make a call... I would say Naito comes out of that bracket ahead okay. of everybody else. Okay. I think I like evil in this bracket. Um, but we'll, but we'll see. Yeah. And in terms of a, um, 
in terms, so I like evil in the top section. Let, let me let me say that at least. Mm-hmm. I think you have a potential um, storyline going with Kojima and Cobb because Kojima just pinned Cobb in a tag match, right? At, at Castle Attack, so that's a potential spoiler. But I think Cobb gets the win back. Yeah, I mean Kojima's been in seven of these cups, and he's lost in the first round six times. This is Cobb's first. Yeah. So yeah. What about the bottom half of that? You've got big names there: Tai Chi, Okada, uh, Robinson, Kenta. So I I think this comes down to Okada versus Kenta. Okay. And I think Okada comes out of this, if for no other reason than he made a big production at Castle Attack. Um, to say that he wants to be back in that top spot and that top role. Um, he feels like the m- most reasonable person to come out of there. Um, and I can see an Okada versus Evil or Okada versus Naito in the semis being a really strong match. Now, on this on the left-hand side of the bracket, we have a bunch of people that are considered sort of like the dads in New Japan. Mm-hmm. Your Onmas, your... Uh, Kojima, I guess. I guess it's just those two. Um, last year, Nagata got a win in the first round, and I think it surprised everybody. Yeah. So, so Yuji Nagata actually has a lot of experience in this tournament. Um, I think he's on this side. A whole ton, of, a whole ton of experience, um, and his record isn't isn't really awful either. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get out of there. Um, he is against Suji. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if if he takes the win over the young lion. I'm not sure what the program is going to be for Suji, so um, it does set up a weird match though. Sonata versus Ishii is is what's going to lead into that following match. So if it isn't Suji, then Nagata's up against somebody. But I think yeah, I, I I have a feeling that that Sonata comes out of that side anyway. So oh, interesting. I like Osprey on this whole side. I'm so so I think it comes down to Sonata versus Osprey. Um, if you look at that quadrant, yep. um, just based on the way that things play out. Um, and I, and I think Osprey, I, I agree with you. I think Osprey beats Sonata and comes out of this, out of that quadrant. Now at the top, you have Jay White. Um, if he wins his opening round match against, uh, Toa Hanare, which it's very likely that he will. So, um, yeah. And, and, and the weird thing is for as long as Jay's been around, this is Jay's first time in this tourney. This is, this is entrance number one for Jay White. I think that's going to play a big part of the story for this tournament for Jay. Um, I have Jay's winning the whole thing. Um, first, first, first time out, he goes through the he goes through the brackets and wins the whole thing. I've got actually, I've got White and Owens coming out of that co- that quadrant that he's in. That back up because I think they're you're they always it always feels like they put in some kind of a bullet club or interfaction matches here. Uh-huh. Um, so I think I think. I think White gets through Tanahashi, even though Tanahashi got the bye. Um, Tanahashi's got two wins in this tournament too, so it's it's tough to to put White over Tanahashi. But I think now's the time to do it. Um, I f- I just I find White versus Owens the most interesting match in the quarterfinals there versus the rest of that that bottom side of that quadrant. So, so I like in this. I, I, so when you think about the outcomes here, Ibushi mm-hmm. is your champion. Yep. So we're re- what we're really trying to figure out is potentially who's going to face Ibushi next. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I think about your Naito's and I think about your Jay White's, these are guys that have just recently fought Ibushi. Um, so I, I kind of take them out of my my mind. 
You have a really interesting story with Tanahashi as Ibushi's former tag partner. And the reason I lean so hard on Osprey for this is that I feel like the Empire has just been beaten and beaten and beaten and beaten. And at some point, you know, nobody's nobody's over there in, in, in Japan saying, yeah, this Osprey guy, let's just beat him and push him down to the bottom. Nobody's saying that. So at some point, I think they have to, they're going to pull the trigger on him and and push him into a main event program. And maybe he probably doesn't win against Ibushi his first time route. You know, it's one of those things where they forecast a, a championship one like that for two years before they actually do it. But I think Osprey could come out of this tournament as the winner. And I wouldn't be surprised. So he'd win this side of the bracket. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if he's wrestling Okada in the finals to get his Wrestle Kingdom match back. That would kind of put a nice bow on everything that happened kind of in the previous six months or eight months with the with the Empire really taking it to chaos quite a bit. Um, I I certainly wouldn't have a problem with that. Huge Osprey fan. I love the Empire. But yeah, the Empire have been buried and buried and buried and buried and buried and buried. And it was embarrassing this weekend. And uh, like, that's what my heart wants. But I don't want to get myself excited about that conclusion. So, so like, Jay White, <laughs> I'm actually, I'm actually going against, I'm going against my thinking because Jay has won, and I'm gonna say no. You know, Empire is gonna get trashed throughout this tournament, and then maybe I'll just reverse what the results are. So I'll put my expectations super, super low, and that'll go Osprey. But I, I don't know. I like, I like Jay to win the whole thing because I think Jay versus Ibushi is is interesting again, especially after they just. You know, they did that big match, and Jay lost. But Well, I know there's another big tournament that happens in March typically every year, but I don't follow basketball that much. So I say we fill this bracket out, and we assign points to it, and we see who comes out ahead. I think that's fine. (laughs) All right. So anything else that you want to cover in New Japan? I mean, there was a ton of stuff that happened, but all everything, title retentions and stuff. Yeah, we had a whole bunch of stuff going on. It was, you know, that three-way match, I felt really bad for El Fantasmo. If you you have a chance to watch that match, he certainly carried that match. Both the other guys spent half the match outside of the ring, and he was the workhorse the entire match. So, you know, for him to lose the belt and to lose the titles and stuff like that, I hope they really have something for him um, coming up with the J-Cup or something like that because – Boy, was he a workhorse that match. Uh, the rest of it was, you know, solid New Japan wrestling as we always see. Um, you know, G.O.D. with a really good match and really good win and stuff. And um, I don't think there were any big surprises there. Um, yeah, Okada beat is on night one. Tanahashi beat, uh, retained the Never Championship, which, by the way, that's why Tanahashi is has a bye here in the New Japan Cup because he is the Never Champion. Yep, yep. So it... it it's a nice castle attack was kind of a nice fun two days of, of, of really solid, good wrestling that built into some storylines into a bigger storyline for, you know, a quick, Hey, we got this anniversary show and then we're going to move right into the cup and we're going to start going pretty, pretty hot and heavy. So it, it's going to be a busy, a busy month of March for uh, new Japan. All right. Well, let's get into, uh, let's get into some AEW stuff and um, I'm going to start, I'm going to throw up graphic for the, uh, women title eliminator tournament because we have our finals set for uh, this Wednesday. Nyla Rose versus Rio Mizunami. They're going to be wrestling in the finals uh, on Dynamite this week, and the winner is going to get Sheeta at Revolution. So, um, I think it's Rio in this. I, I don't see any reason to play back another Nyla Rose Sheeta match. I really hope so, and I think the rest of the world does too. Um, 
we haven't really seen that match at least stateside. Um, and she's uh, Rio is a very interesting wrestler to watch. I like I enjoyed her stuff throughout this tournament. I think she's really good with you know talking and chatting up the camera and stuff. She looks like you know if 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 Tomohiro Ishii and and Kazuchika Okada had a kid. This is what it would come out with. She's strong style, but she's got the outfit that Okada does and kind of the, the same sort of look and the same sort of head shape and stuff. Um, she's a really interesting dynamic wrestler. Um, she wrestles up. She's got, she's got some unique stuff she does in the ring. Um, it's certainly more lots of personality. Like it's every, a, every one of those people that we saw it, over there, you know, and it's one, it's one of those things where the showmanship is there and the wrestling's there and it's a stronger style stuff. And I think, I think she would get over on the American crowd a little bit easier than what we've seen in some of the ones that they've tried to do because of her size. Yeah. I think the, the, the Joshi gals that have come over so far, the magical girl and stuff like that, they don't, American audience doesn't suspend their disbelief enough to understand that Japanese women's wrestling. Um, so this, I think she would be a much more uh, believable wrestler for that type of audience and that type of crowd so if that's the ultimate plan and what they ended up doing i think that's a good goal and you know we had talked about briefly you know it's weird that we're seeing um nyla rose here because i think Britt baker and 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 thunder rosa is what i thought what all of us thought we were going to get to but maybe there's a reason that we're not seeing that and it's to keep this new girl away from both of those two competitors and those two still have to get together at some point and fight right i mean we saw Britt and thunder wrestle a little bit ago and maybe that's another match they announced you know did i don't think there was necessarily a conclusive end to that uh feud so maybe we even get that added to revolution on the the buy-in or something like that because they haven't announced you know a buy-in match yet so yeah we'll see and not to not to get i mean we got a lot to cover but uh, nba wiped their slate yesterday with all their videos and stuff so nba is coming back and we have a title holder in aaw that's an aaw employee so serena deeb it's probably yep. got to do some work over there. So we'll see what happens with, with NWA stuff. Maybe it's, you know, Britt going to NWA and wrestling a match or something like that, or, you know, whoever the new yeah. gal is over there. Like you're right. NWA, that's a news item that haven't covered yet because we don't know the, the We're not sure exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, but, exactly. Um, the rumors and the grumblings are that they took down their YouTube stuff because they have a television deal in the works. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, they have like 30 weeks of power that they uh, they can play to lead up to the next, you know, episode. Yeah, or even, you know, they could sandwich it the way that Impact's been really smart about doing, you know, a yeah. lead-up show and then another one afterwards to introduce some characters and stuff. There's a lot of good matches on that as well. And I think it's nice to give them people a taste of what that studio-style wrestling yeah. show looks like before they have to sit in front of the TV and watch it. All right, so Dynamite this week. It's really, it is a kind of a big dynamite because this is the one that they finally have Shaq at. But before we get to Shaq, Chris Jericho and MJF, they're answering questions from the press. Um, the face of the revolution ladder match, we're going to get another another competitor. It's either going to be Preston Vance or Max Caster. Um, I think it's Max Caster, by the way. I, I think Tony Khan has a real soft spot for Max Caster, so I think that's where that's going. Um, yeah, I mean, we got just... Dark Order is all over everything these days, like from out of nowhere. Um, so I would agree. Max Caster is, is more compelling to me in that match, given the other competitors. On the side of the Dark Order, you have one, two, three, four, and five. They're facing Matt Hardy, Private Party, and TH2. Of course, this 
you know, where's Hangman and all this, of course, right? That That's the big money match at Revolution. We'll talk to you in a second. The mm-hmm. uh, tournament final we talked about. Tully Blanchard's coming out of retirement to team with FTR to face Jurassic Express. So we're going to get at least one spike pile driver. That's I was going to say, that's probably what we've got for Tully out of this one. And I don't know if we'll have much more than that unless he gets choking in the corner. They're going to get Marco's done over that corner and he's going to yeah, choke him. He's going to choke him and do that kind of stuff. So, I mean, should be a, 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 Tully and Marco aside. FTR Jurassic Express, which we still haven't actually seen, right? We still yep. haven't actually seen that match with, yep. with Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy versus FTR. So, and then you have Shaq and Jade going against Cody and Red Velvet. With also, we have an appearance by the Big Show. So maybe the Big Show and Shaq have some sort of stare down because we've been waiting for that match since WWE tried to do it years ago. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's been a while. On the same on the, on the same show. So. And I'm really hopeful for Jade Cargill. I think she's going to be the type of woman um, in this women's division picture that really brings potentially brings a lot of eyeballs. Um, I think she's going to be a force. So it's so weird that they're going to, uh, you know, it's still weird to me that Shaq and Jade as a as a team when we haven't seen either of them ever wrestle a match. Nope. So, you know, I'm sure they know what they're doing. I'm sure that they've seen her do practice rounds and everything i'm sure it's going to be great but we'll we'll see what happens it's one of those mains that you know it's it's the main for this show probably without a doubt and you know it's one of those mains that could be great and bring a whole ton of eyes or it could be a real grumbler depending on how they decide to book this and put this together um i think that all of these wrestlers to a degree have been down that road before so i think it's probably going to be tight with maybe a loose finish sure let's talk revolution though okay yes. You've got the shirt on because we were there last year. We were there. Yeah, I had yes. two tr- shirts that I could pick from. I got this one with the I was there on the back, and I've obviously got the Moxley title belt when he yep. won the title off of Jericho. That was an I was there shirt as well. So, yeah, I had two yeah. choices of what to go with today, but I thought the logo would make the most sense. After uh, after Moxley beat Jericho, Justin Roberts comes on the mic and says, and go buy your shirt right now. So I had to go uh, wrestle through the crowd to get my uh, – to get three of those shirts. Three of those shirts, because all of us wanted one for sure. Nice. Yeah. Um, so John Moxley again challenging for the AEW World Championship. This time he's wrestling Kenny Omega in an exploding barbed wire match. Um, I'm sure it'll be closing the show, and I'm sure it'll be a car wreck. Yeah, I mean Moxley has been very specific about it's going to be violent. Um, and I, you know, I got to see Omega Moxley in a pretty violent match where they put together this apparatus on the outside of the ring that the Bucks dragged out. That was, just, I don't know, I'd never seen anything like it outside of like a Hellraiser movie. And you know, that match finished with the tearing up of the of the ring mat and the, you know, the Death Rider on the on the exposed um, exposed ring. So this this is probably going to be something to see. Yeah, and you know, last last time when Omega beat him at Winter is Coming. And a lot of talk about, oh, he used the microphone and Don Callis and blah, blah, blah. Well, that's legal this time. Oh, so. yeah, that's a 100%. <laughs> Expect to see Don Callis in the microphone and, you know, who yeah. knows, a weed whacker or something. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Casino Tag Team Battle Royal featuring, so far we know, Private Party, Santana and Ortiz, Alex Reynolds, John Silver, Top Flight, Evil Luno, still Stu Grayson, Bear Country, The Butcher and the Blade, Winners are getting an AEW World Tag Team Championship match. 
we don't know all the teams here, but whenever the word casinos there is, we usually get a joker. So mm-hmm. I'm looking for some tag team to come jumping in here and, and uh, mix it in with these guys. Could be the Good Brothers. Yeah, so the Good Brothers, I think, is feels to me like the most obvious person to throw in there. Um, you know, Bear Country is probably a name that a lot of people haven't heard. Um, they've been doing a lot of dark wrestling, wrestling yeah. on dark, and they've, they've been around for a little bit. Actually, little known fact, um, Bear Bronson was actually your 24-7 title holder at one point. Um, people may or may not know that, but on uh, December 22nd, he won the title, the 24-7 title from Ron Killings as Santa Claus. So he's a <laughs> former title holder on WWE. So um, they're an interesting team to watch if you haven't seen them before. Um, these are all great teams. I mean, the tag division, as we've talked about many, many times, is super, super stacked. Um, I could also see we could get an impact tag team. We could get yeah. somebody from New Japan over. We, there's a whole bunch of different opportunities. Who knows? Maybe this is the MLW collaboration, and we're going to see you know, Hammerstone come out with um, with Holiday. Yeah. would be interesting. Yeah, all kinds of uh, potential, potential options there. Um, we talked about Sheeta and um you know her match is this when she loses the belt though she's had it since double or nothing longest reigning aw champion um, yeah a couple days ago she passed moxley on that yeah. so yeah you, you know i don't if if rio ends up winning which is what i want to happen i don't see her taking the belt off of Sheeta the first time, given how much Sheeta has held on to it and how many different opponents that she's defended against. And gosh, I I just don't want Nyla to have the thing back again either. So it's really hard for me to see Sheeta losing it, even though she's had it for literally forever. Now, maybe there's shenanigans that happen during the match. Maybe we see Abaddon show up or something like that, and that's how the title changes. Um, but they don't have a lot of spaces to go in the women's division outside of that. They can continue to have those matches and stuff like that. But um, Maybe we see that, or maybe something else happens. Um, there's well, they sure a lot of programs with Shida over in Japan, though. Emi Sakura and all yeah. three, of the, all three of the people that were on that six woman tag match with against Shida, they all Veni and uh, Maki Ito. You can see any of those those in the future. So, without gosh, doubt. yeah, it's 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 interesting. Uh, if I had to if I had to make a pick, I would say no, Shida retains. I think so too, just because we're only now being introduced to Rio. We're three matches in, um, but uh, well, and of course we're assuming that it's Rio and not Nyla Rose. So right. Um, but if it's Nyla Rose, I I think it's a definite retention. I agree. Yeah. Okay, Matt Hardy versus Hangman Page in a big money match. I don't know. I, I it's hard to call, but um, and I, I don't think we need to necessarily call it, but like. The question here is more about the dark order in my mind. Yeah, I, I think I think Paige probably comes out of this with the win. Um, although Matt Hardy's record in AEW isn't exactly what you'd call incredible. Um, it's pretty good on pay per view, though. On pay per view, it's right. On pay per view, it's definitely been solid. Um, Hangman Page, I don't know where he goes from here. Like, I I I really don't see him as a dark order member. Like, I don't. Or, or if I do, I see him as a phantom member. I, I could see Hangman ones. Page. I could see Hangman Page actually being introduced in in some goofy mask style with a different number there, where Hangman's you know moonlighting as a Dark Order member, but he's not actually a Dark Order member. 
um, to the public. So maybe he comes out in a goofy costume and he's all dark ordered up, but he's not really dark order. Um, right. Would be an interesting storyline, but I'm not sure where they take the, you know, the one month salary thing, maybe they play it back and we see some hangman versus um, private party and we see Alex and Reynolds and they kind of continue that, but it feels like for the last month we've sort of done that already. So. Um, well, I think long-term, long-term page Omega is where it is, where it goes. And it's just a matter of how we get there. And if the dark order is, you know, going to be part of that and, and whatnot. So, yeah, it's a little bit complicated in there, which I'm fine with complicated because they yeah. tend to button things up pretty well. So, yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's how we get to blood and guts, you know, because eventually that match is going to happen and maybe Absolutely. the dark order is involved. Yep. Absolutely. So the street fight sting and Darby Allen versus team Taz. You know, the, the biggest question I have here is what's Sting going to do? Is he going to immediately, you know, roll out of the ring and, you know, spend the whole time out there away from the camera? Or is it going to be a lot of in-ring action and we see Sting wrestle? Well, I'm interested to see where they decide to start the match, right? Are they starting the match in a parking lot or are they starting the match in an actual ring where they do entrances yeah. and so on and so forth? So there's a couple of different ways that they can go here. I think based on what we've seen the last two weeks – there's a reason why they wanted to show Sting taking a bump and Sting doing some moves. Yeah. Because he's going to do those things. And I think, like all of us, we were kind of concerned about what Sting's capacity or capabilities were. Well, he can apparently take a bump and he can apparently do some Sting moves. So how much of that we're going to see, I think a street fight is a really good way for them to figure out mm -hmm. what that looks like without having the technical confinement of a wrestling ring to do that in. You know, punches, kicks, bat shots car door slam things like that are really easy to do regardless of you know what kind of physical shape you're in drop kicks you know moves off the off the top ropes and stuff like that a little bit harder so i think this is a good way to kind of lead into it um i don't see cage and starks win in this match i think this is a sting and darby victory for sure um but it should be should be interesting to see it's really tough because uh you know when i look at the Darby Allen championship run. I don't think he's a really strong champion. In fact, I think he's actually a very weak champion because he's had his one or two title defenses and he won them both, but it's hard not to contrast him against somebody who defended the title every single week. And yeah. I, I don't think they've done any favors with him booking him the way that they've been booked. I mean, don't get me wrong. If, if I'm Darby Allen and sting comes in and sting says, I want to be in a program with you. What am I going to say? No. Well, right. But, but I, yeah, I think he has, where I'm just having a hard time is that Cody won the title first and they were like, we need to establish the title. And I think all that made sense. So he went out there and defended the championship every single week. And now it's really hard not to compare Darby back to that. Sure. Dar Darby won. He beat Cody for the championship and he's had it, but he's had it since November and he's only defended it. I'm going to say twice, twice. Yeah. So, it's, it's, it's certainly been, it was not the title that we thought it was, or it hasn't been in his hands, right? Like the TNT title, I thought we were going to see the title defense every week. And you know what? Watching it every week with Cody did get a little bit unexciting sure. all the time, but now it feels like it's been away too much, right? It seems like there should be something building towards it, though, every week, whether that's a contender match or something. something yeah, and I don't know if this ends up going into Darby versus Ricky Starks, because I think Ricky Starks, to me, feels really, really good with that title. Um, and a really compelling match. You know, Ricky Starks is also a former uh, NWA television champion. And I don't think we've seen anywhere as near what Ricky Starks is capable no. of. 
in, in no. any form. Like we've seen snippets of his promos. We've seen a little bit snippets of his work. It's too bad that he hasn't had a ton of singles matches because I think when the viewers get to really take a look at what he can do, like he's a man of his own. Like he's just, he's a next level performer and we haven't gotten to see a lot of it because he's overshadowed by Taz on the mic, Brian Cage's body, Will Hobbs being massive and stuff like that. He's kind of been in the background, but he's well-respected by a lot of his peers that are in the WWE too. So he's somebody that I've been excited about since, since really first seeing him, first seeing him signed and then going back and watching his NWA stuff. Like he's very, very good. So if, if there was somebody that Darby had to transition that title to Ricky Starks, I'd be thrilled with. Okay. So there's a couple of comments coming in and I need to, uh, we need to bring them up because I think in one case you ruined the magic a little bit with your bear Bronson as Santa Claus story. Um, Santa has helpers. Santa, Santa has helpers. And and I'm going to pay that off. Bear Bronson is one of them. So Al Carl with the weight Santa isn't a real comment. That's that. He's absolutely real. And then our second uh, comment comes from an inside man mm. on the project here, and he just wants to say happy birthday. So oh, thanks. Travis turned uh, what? What? Twenty-eight. Twenty-six. Oh, sorry, I put a couple 26. of twenty-six. Okay, yep. sorry about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, believe that, and he will tell you another one. Mm-hmm. Okay, face of the revolution ladder match. I kind of saved that one for last because I think it's the most fun. Uh, we have uh, Max Caster and Preston Vance. We already talked about that. One of them is going to be in the match. I, I think it's Max Caster. Uh, also in the match, we have Cody Rhodes. We have Scorpio Sky. We have Penta L0M. And we have Lance Archer. We know there is a total of six. So there's somebody they're not telling us about. We probably have our theories about who, the, who it's going to be. My pick is Sean Spears. Okay, so Sean Spears is on my list. Now maybe I'm cheating a little bit because I had a list. Um, Sean Spears, like Scorpio Sky, and a little bit like, well, definitely like Scorpio Sky. We just haven't seen these guys. These guys have been missing in action. And Sean Spears, with his last send-off, was like, man, I'm I'm done with all this gimmick crap. I'm off. So maybe we'll see a repackage Sean Spears, and there's a reason that they're keeping him away. And why Scorpio Sky's in the match? Because... why would Scorpio Sky be in the match? <laughs> yeah, right. So we don't have any kind of frustration with those other ones. So I think Sean Spears is a, is a good pick. Um, obviously, on my on my short list as well, I've got uh, Sammy Guevara because he's sure. just a ladder match contestant. I've got Eddie Eddie Kingston, who's got okay. some beef. Yeah, I've got I've got TJP. Interesting. Why not? He has been on every other show. Because that would be fun. He hasn't been on the show, and it's for a TNT title shot. So I think he would be an interesting competitor against Darby Allen. That's a match I want to see regardless of whether it's here or whether it's an impact. And then the last one, my outlier for ladder matches, RVD. Yeah. So yeah. if they're going to hit us with a surprise and stuff like that, you know, there are some times when some older guys come back, and, and Tony Khan certainly has a, a soft spot in his heart for bringing back some of the some of the people. We haven't seen RVD around for a little bit, so RVD is kind of my outlier pick. I don't love RVD. I don't think he has a spot really in this roster other than to do maybe a one-shot thing or something like that. This feels like his style of match, so to speak. Um, so if you're going to give him kind of a one-shot, hey, Rob, thanks for your work. This would be the spot where I would kind of want to inject him. Um, I think Sean Spears is the most 
compelling because we haven't seen him. And I think there's a lot of people out there that would hate me for that comment because they think Sean Spears is dry and vanilla and, and awful and not good. And to be fair, outside of you know what they've done with the, how they've handled his booking and stuff like that, I mean, God, the guy should have been on the top of the card and stayed at the top of the card after nearly crushing Cody Rhodes' skull in, and it just didn't happen. And he, you know, they tried to give him Tully Blanchard, and they tried to do a whole bunch of stuff. We were doing, you know, he well, is one to... of the he is one of the loose ends that they just didn't do a great job tying up. Oh, we're we're trying to find a tag partner, and we just dumped that storyline. Oh, we've given him the magic love, and we dumped that storyline. So Sean's kind of been a man on an island. So Sean Spears last year, his singles record was 17 and two. I was going to quote that off the top of my head, um, but I did look it up just to be confirmed. 17 and two. So his two losses were against Dustin Rhodes and Cody Rhodes. So, uh, and I believe, and the Dustin Rhodes was on paper on pay per view. Yep. So, and it was it was kind of a rough <laughs> rough comedy style match, but uh, other than that, 17 wins. So. Sean Spears to me feels like they did a great job of like not giving him a lot of losses. They kept him really strong. They gave him that, you know, he was like, I'm out of here type of speech there at the end. And that was like three months ago. And so now we have unresolved business with Scorpio Sky. It just feels like the the time to, to pull him right in. So Yep. And it is kind of a surprise at this point. Whether he comes out with Tully Blanchard or not, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, he might be his own man at this point because he said he was getting rid of the glove, and the glove was Telly's gift yeah. to him. So, yeah, your camera got a little, uh, little fuzzy. It looks like we're we're looking through. Uh... What the hell happened to it here? Yeah, all good, all good. There we go. All right, Revolution in the books, Dynamite's in the books. We talked New Japan Cup. It's been a great show. We're at fifty minutes, but you're not escaping without doing trivia. And you know what the nice thing is? If you get one question correct, just one question correct, you will once again take the leaderboard. A lot of pressure. Here is the current standings. Yes. Everybody is zero for zero. John DeCani got his second monthly championship. We are on the road to WrestleMania on the Daily Wrestling News Show. And I have some trivia associated with WrestleMania 1 for you. Oh, boy. All right. 1985, Madison Square Garden, Mm -hmm. WrestleMania 1. Andre the Giant defeated this man in a $15,000 body slam challenge. Mm. Is it King Kong Bundy, the one-man gang, Big John Stud, or the Junkyard Dog? It was Big John Stud, and Bobby tried to run out with the bag and rip it out of his hand because it was Bobby's money. (laughs) All right, you got it. So that's the first one. SPD, Special Delivery Jones, Jones, lost a very short match to this man in the second match of the night. Was it A, King Kong Bundy, B, the one-man gang, C, Bret Hart, or D, the Junkyard Dog? Junkyard Dog. Oh, it was Bundy. It was Bundy. Oh, I didn't even remember him being on the show. I know he, was, the he was the main for two. Yes. Avalanche in the corner. Okay, one for two. Wendy mm-hmm. Richter won the women's championship with Cindy Lauper in her corner, but... Who did she defeat? Was it the fabulous Mula, Leilani Kai, Bull Nakano, or Trish Stratus? Leilani Kai. It was Leilani Kai. Two for three. Okay, very good. The Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov, accompanied by classy Freddie Blassie, defeated the U.S. Express, accompanied by Lou Albana. Who was 
the U.S. Express. Was it Barry Windham and Mike Rotundo? Mike Rotundo and Brutus Beefcake? Barry Windham and Hacksaw Jim Duggan? Or Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Brutus Beefcake? The first choice. <laughs> yes, Barry Windham and Mike Rotundo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Barry Windham and the tax man. I eliminated everybody else based on who I knew they were tag teams with at other. that time with other people yeah. so i was like ah okay by default it has to be these two guys three for four and i didn't even mention the rules at the top of the show here but you are going to win the goldberg oscar award for certain so let's just see if you can pad the score a little bit with a four for five we'll the see. main event saw hulk hogan and mr t defeat paul orndorff and roddy piper right. the match had two special guest referees mm-hmm. who were they was it a george foreman and pat patterson b sylvester stallone and pat patterson C, Mike Tyson and Pat Patterson, or D, Muhammad Ali and Pat Patterson? D, Muhammad Ali and Pat Patterson. It was Muhammad Ali and Pat Patterson. Also, Liberace kept the time. Billy Martin did the ring announcing. It was a star-studded affair, and you win. Congratulations. Thank you. Four for five. Let's see what we can do in the month of March. Top of the leaderboard. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm (laughs) one year wiser now, so now I've got it all. I've got it all figured out. <laughs> all right. Let's start telling people about some stuff. The dropkick is this month's shirt. Hang on one second. Let me pull that banner down. Boom. All right. So check out the new dropkick t-shirt. It's $20. The shirt is steal of the deal, just like the chair shot was. It already comes in the super soft style. No upcharge for that. All sizes are the same price. So no upcharge for the 2X or above. And also, by the way, I didn't mention all last month, that $20 includes shipping. So it's really just a $20. Um, And you can get it in a bunch of different colors. So there you have the drop kick. Also, the Essential Wrestling Podcast. Uh, We are going live tonight, Tuesday, as we do every Tuesday. Al Carl will host. John Smith will be there. John DeConi will be there. I will be there. Gary Maheffy will also be there. Another week of updates and highlights in the world of wrestling. Um, And special programming note on the Essential Wrestling Podcast, Travis will be making an appearance, not tonight, but the following two weeks. So uh, stay tuned for that. And then we also have the Primetime Rundown. Join Joey Jarzenka, Ian Schreier, and Rob DeLuca on Friday nights for the Primetime Rundown. We take you to the world of sports. The show kicks off at 6 p.m. on the Eastern Observer. And this show, the Daily Wrestling News Show, it's here every day, Monday through Thursday at 10 a.m. If you didn't get a chance to listen to our interview yesterday with Jake St. Patrick, go seek that out. It was a fun interview. Jake's a great guy. He says that he will be signed by the end of this year, and I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be. So he's had appearances on Dark. He's had Running with Evolve, so he's networked into the WWE system. And... He's amazing to watch. So I'll be seeing him at Bash of the Brew this weekend down here in Florida. And uh, and that's that. So, Travis, anything else before we get out of here? Yeah, two quick things. 7 o'clock tonight, MLW's back with real action. They got two te- they got two title matches tonight. we got Los Parks versus Davari and Simon Gotch um, from Contra. That'll be a great match. And they've got Jacob Fatu taking on Jordan Oliver in a title match where I assume – the Samoan werewolves are just going to run over this skinny little kid. Um, the tag match is certainly more compelling to me. And then the other thing is too, for those of you that do stick around and watch revolution, don't forget 
Ryan and I are back with our first AEW Revolution post show. So we'll be talking about the ins and outs and everything that happened on that gigantic pay-per-view coming up this weekend. Typically, our AEW pay-per-view post shows are like not taped and they're in the car on the way back to a hotel or whatever. But this time, this COVID time we're not going to the show and, and Travis is in New York. So we're doing a post show this Sunday. Sometime, you know, 15 minutes or so after it goes off the air. So anytime between 10 and midnight it'll start yeah jump on we want to hear your comments let us know what you think of uh the way the pay-per-view went and we'll interact and do our best to to kind of summarize it after we get all the adrenaline out of our veins from the exploding barbar death match that's going to finish the night so no kidding yeah (laughs) all right very good well that's been our show and uh we will catch everybody tomorrow i'll be back with john takami enjoy your week